D- have you ever taken a, a class from um, Habermas? Gary? Gary? Yeah. No, but I've read a lot of his stuff. Yeah, because his, his stuff, I want to get is that, into his stuff. But Is that literally how you pronounce Habermas? 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 Pro- is it Habermas? Like, I don't know. I how always said it. Habermas. I pronounce it like I live in central Pennsylvania and just say Habermas. That's what yeah. I say. No idea. The way you I said don't. it made it sound like he was like a, a German beer maker. Habermas? <laughs> hey, have you taken you the class from the Habermas? The Habermas? And, and every, every class you drink a pint? This is so frustrating. <laughs> no, I just took a... Or took a, I just bought a book uh, by him about uh, like the historical Jesus because that's kind of like one of his big areas. But um, guys, is this insanity what we're talking about tonight? What whether Jesus is real historically? No, no. About who who's Habermas that each everybody went to because all eleven of our viewers just fell asleep. I mean, listeners. No, 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 no. This is all going to get cut. This is all in the intro. Or this is all the pre-intro. We're getting used to talking to each other again. Okay. Are you not used to talking to people? You know, I'm not used to talking to anybody. Okay. Well, anyway, welcome to Herd Immunity, where you can be heard. Do we even do that anymore? Uh, Yeah, I mean... I don't know, but I just want music every time you say that. Do you think... I know we're trying not to date this show, like, to a certain period of time, but... Do you think there's ever been anything, like, uh, I want you to think back in your life and think if there's ever been anything where you walked up to either a complete stranger or somebody that you knew but weren't around all the time, and you kind of just had, like, kind of, as you were talking, you were looking at them to see how they would respond to what you were saying. For example, like, yeah, school's, uh, school's going back in person. And that's um, that that that's good. Like you have to end every sentence with a question mark to see if the person is gonna be like, "We're all gonna die. They can't go back." Or like you know, like masks or whatever. Like every conversation in public now seems like you're waiting for the other person to be more like hysterical than you are about mm. the topic to see how you could respond. Has there ever been anything like that in the past? Uh, I mean, I can't remember a time when it's definitely been this much because it's like you'll i don't really care what you're talking about you're always wondering like how are you gonna respond like exactly like you're saying yeah it's really interesting but like anything like this is the goofy part i have i have a serious topic for later but like this is like is there any degree of anything that you can think of where you like looked around like i was even thinking like sports you didn't even really do that in sports right because like either you didn't care about it or you wanted to get in a fight so you would you hope kind of hope they would freak out so it would happen in it would happen when I when I was in grad school because people were super opinionated about like weird things. So you'd be in class and we'd be talking about something um I I don't know a specific topic right now, but we'd be talking about some issue and I would have an opinion on it and I would say my opinion and then just kind of be like like <laughs> and just look around like very uh is anybody going to agree or disagree or anything like cuz <laughs> you know you get some you get some super strong minded people and then there are some classes that are just snooze fest so you know you don't know if anybody's going to care about anything you say at all so I, yeah i think grad school would be the only place i've had that 
Yeah, like I find myself taking a middle of the road opinion on everything, even though that's not how I feel, just to see how people react to it. Like, yeah, those masks, that's crazy, but they keep us safe. And then just wait and see what the person says. I, I, I intentionally do that with politics, right? Like, so I will, I will intentionally say that with different political issues um, because just because I want to get a rise out of the other people. Uh, and I also, um, I don't feel it necessary to voice my legitimate feelings about politics to anybody that's not like married to me and or a really really good friend who's been a friend for a very long time other than that it's like no nah, we're good i don't need to i don't need to get into this conversation with you yeah but so you egg them on on part you're like no no i don't yeah. egg them on oh, okay uh no so the big one the big one out here right now is um all the people from california are moving to colorado Ooh. they're moving to colorado and texas right so oh yeah um so i like throwing that out there to people and i'll be like hey how about all this? Pe- all those Californians moving to Colorado, and I'm and I, I just moved here, right? Like I, I moved here from the <laughs> other coast, right? Um, but I'll be like, how about all this Colorado? How about all those Californians <laughs> moving to Colorado? And then I just sit and I'm like, I want to see how this person reacts to this because because you're gonna know, like they're either gonna be super fired up or they're gonna be like, yeah, it's not a big deal. So just watching them fester under the surface till they <laughs> explode. <laughs> and then I tell them my opinion, and I go, oh yeah, I mean, house, it's keeping house prices high, so. That's true. That was still kind of the problem even when I lived back there. People were complaining about it all the time. Oh, there's people from L.A. moving out here just because it's so expensive or blah, blah, blah. There's a real issue right now, and I know I know. I can't wait for Tyler to get in this. I almost want to do what I do to everybody else, to Tyler right now. But um, yeah, there's a real issue with people coming from super blue areas to red areas and making the red area purple and then eventually making the red area blue mm. and then being mad that the that the area that they moved to that they thought was going to be better ends up not being better because it, they made it just the way it was where they left. So, <sighs> I mean, Tyler, how do you feel about that? I can't, Corey. <laughs> Actually, I think it would be very interesting if it was... Uh, uh, I don't want to get into this. <laughs> I think it'd be very interesting if it was more evenly distributed across the country, political affiliations. Because right now, it's like my team and your team, so you don't get a lot of like unaffiliated, right? Yeah. But but if you look at those charts that were oh so famous after 2016, you know, like the five little blue clusters that almost got Hillary Clinton elected, and the whole rest of the country is red... Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, that doesn't represent a whole lot of people since she won the popular vote. So um, it probably wouldn't be a bad thing if we were more evenly distributed. I don't know. I'm not going to get on a utopian soapbox here. But like, if more people from New York City spent time in, you know, I don't know, what's a good Omaha or something. Is Omaha? I don't even know if that's a Republican area. But just some like, you know, Indianapolis or whatever. These like sort of major cities in smaller states, mm-hmm. it probably wouldn't be a bad thing. Polarization is not an option, I think, in, in, in Christian con- for a Christian, but I think if you want to change your perception about someone or learn, you can't do it from a distance. So, like, you're always going to stay in your camp. And so I think that's a healthy exercise for both sides to <laughs> go live where the other side lives or, or to spend time with them and talk with them and 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 
you don't I'm not saying you adopt their viewpoint, but at least maybe gives you a better understanding or a chance to live in more harmony with people. Yeah, but my side's right, so I don't need to go anywhere else. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, of course, you leave that, and on your way out, you're like, well, it's nice knowing you losers, and then... Yeah, the other people need to come see where I live. Oh, of course. Yeah, they need a change in perspective. Yeah. So, uh, I yeah, no, I, I, I did. I watched this YouTube video. Um, it's, a, it's a super popular channel, but um, they spun a wheel or something, and it was like, go to the most boring town in America. And so they found this... <laughs> This, um, oh, I don't know. Who's the one that does, not Condé Nast, but it's someone that does all the road uh, trip kind of stuff. Anyway, so they had, they had raided this town in Kansas, the most boring town in America. And so they flew there from L.A. And these were dudes that were all from other countries, but they had been in the U.S. and lived in L.A. for years. And so, like, that was their perspective. And they went to, like, middle of nowhere Kansas. And, uh... It was super interesting to watch them because inevitably they came away with the impression that like, oh, these are all good people. And when we have, we had a problem, like they basically went there and threw a town party, like a hoedown. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're like, we ran into issues and like these people came out and helped us. And like there was this woman who was married to her girlfriend that owned a diner. And like they just had all these perspectives that they didn't think they'd see in, in middle America. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and and I guess maybe, um, obviously I do it too for people that live in big cities, but like, it's just like, I was kind of like, duh, like, what did you think you would find, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's weird to me that people that live in LA or New York or Chicago or Houston or something would think that you would go like to Kansas or Nebraska or Ohio or something and people would all just be sitting around like staring at each other with shotguns or something. <laughs> And like they do that on Tuesday, but not every night. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't know. It just it just kind of shows you like your how perspectives are off so much in this country. It's it's just oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Have you? Guys... I mean, I know that's an obvious statement, but it's just like I don't know. You keep seeing evidence. Have of you it. seen? Are you going to ask about the social dilemma? Yeah, uh, I am. Yes, to so go. Good, <laughs> Has Tyler seen it? Tyler, I don't know. Have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it. Okay, good. I haven't. This is my uh, sixth seventh day without social media and it feels fantastic i thought you meant watching it i was like you should probably not watch it. <laughs> i think the scariest thing though for me and I, and I totally understand this is how the algorithms based on what you click on just feed you more things that take you further down that way and when they're presented as facts to you but then someone else is going further away on uh videos and things they're being uh, fed to the other side and they're being presented as facts no wonder. I think, honestly, it has such a big influence in our culture and our country today that people – that's why people literally can't understand why someone else thinks the way they do when we have all these facts, but none of them, the videos that you're fed, are vetted for truth. And so truth just becomes whatever video you last saw, and then you get angry at the other person because you can't believe like, oh, it's plain to see. I've seen these eight videos about this yeah. person doing that. Yeah. And then the other person says the exact same thing. And then it's like an intractable opposition and people just hate each other. I was like it. Honestly, it's it's not surprising to me how people have these perceptions. And I see it a lot in like the baby boomer generation and older who are on Facebook and stuff who – click down the Trump hole or the Biden hole and they take everything <laughs> yeah. as gospel. And so then they come away from that and 
this whole thing's made up, this is, whoa, this is crazy, blah, blah. Yeah. And you're like, you can't, you're an intelligent person. Like, you can't honestly believe that. And yet, well, it was it was on Facebook, and it's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think it also is a place where people can, you know, come to be a part of something bigger, whether they necessarily agree with it all or not. And so um, I just don't want to be... <laughs> manipulated into thinking that that way or being fed things that aren't true uh i'm not like a conspiracy like they're doing it on purpose but i think that you know it says oh you you like these things about sports so you're going to get a lot more sports things on your feed that can take you you know wherever um and i've been a victim of buying books that have been fed to me after like reading about a book online or, or, or an area of theology. And then I'm on Facebook later and I get like three ads for these books from the gospel coalition. I'm like, Oh wow. Only four bucks. I should get those. And then I buy them on my Kindle and I read the first chapter or something. And I'm like, shoot, they got me. Um, so I, I just think that like our world, I can believe that people have these perceptions or misperceptions about, other people and i think coronavirus has has hindered us because we're not interacting with other people other than online the way that we we normally would where you know you could still disagree with someone but be their friend because you lived with them at work on a daily basis but now that stuff's not happening so um it's actually scary like i just feel like there's just so much hatred in our culture it's just exhausting of everything that's going on um and I think yeah. So go ahead. So Ty, I, th- I think to your to your point about the the camp thing, I think we're always going to have that, right? I mean, and, and you didn't say we weren't, but it's like we're always going to have the smaller groups of people that we get um, that we stay closer to that think very similar to the to the way we think, right? And I think that's always been the case. I think it will always be the case. I think the challenge that we're dealing with now, like you were alluding to, or like you guys were both saying, we aren't inviting people in (laughs) from other camps anymore. Like we're not, or we're not like, you know, I I like to have this idealistic thought in my brain. It's like, well, what do we do every, you know, every so often we go to the inn, right? Well, what do we go to the inn for? Well, that's what, that's what everyone does. They go to the inn, right? Like on, on Thursday night, on Friday night, on Saturday night, like we go to the pub, we go to the inn, we go to the place and there's all kind of different groups of people that, that meet. And it's a lot harder to tell somebody how dumb they are or that they're an idiot when they're face to face with you and they're a real human being and you're looking them in the eye. We don't do that anymore. Like there's no like social space that we all intentionally inhabit. And I, I don't even know if there is a space that we could do that, like physically, because there's so many people now and, you know, cities get so big and, and all that stuff. But um, we don't do that anymore. And I think that is a huge issue. And then you attach it to what Josh was just you know talking about with we have these algorithms that feed us this thing we want to read or feed us the thing we want to hear. And and the thing that really gets me about it and i would love to see like research on whether or not looking at things before you go to bed or right when you wake up in the morning has more of an impact on your brain than just like seeing it you know 
at, at other times of the day, right? Because you think about people using social media. It's a lot of, for a lot of people, it's the last thing you look at before you go to bed. And it's the first thing you look at when you wake up. And it's like, I have to think that psychologically that has a more of an impact than me just randomly checking it, you know, after I've, you know, when I'm on my lunch break at work or whatever. So I don't know. That, that's, that's my very high level thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did, what did the social dilemma say? <laughs> Do you have two options? Do you either check your phone when you wake up in the morning and then go to the bathroom or check it while you're going to the bathroom? And like, yeah. that's exactly one of the points I was making today at, at church is like the, before you even get out of bed, you've been influenced and polarized. <laughs> and even if you get out of bed as, as a, a Christian, you want to go read your Bible, but you've already read these things that have started the hot anger kind of boiling under your skin. Like that's going to influence everything you even read in God's word that day and how you change it. So I think, yeah, I think these things affect culture and even affect us at an individual level down to just how we perceive and enjoy and spend our days so i think overall social media is a net negative to society from the time it was started until now as a whole i think it's a net negative that's someone that's from someone who's had and abandoned all three major (laughs) types of social media with different interactions to them but or with them um but I, i just I never received anything positive from it. And and like I'm even I just have this thing in my head where like I'm going <laughs> to I'm I'm too uh I don't know what the word is, maybe lazy to ever actually act on anything revolutionary, but I would love to just be like the start of I'm just going to actually get a newspaper like delivered mm-hmm. to my house and I'm going to read the newspaper and like I'm going to, you know, um send mail to people like I think email has its purpose and I think you can't at at this point you can't really survive without email um and probably having email on your phone but but like just not have social media not even get news feed from you know Google or Apple or whoever you get your news from just like you know and and I get it there's algorithms for that too right so they're going to send you for every Fox News article they're going to send you a CNN article and MSNBC article until they see which ones you click on and then blah 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 um but I, you know I, I was listening to something recently and they were saying about how you know because of our short attention spans now um traditional media is dying so quickly that they just resort to clickbait mm-hmm. And what's the best way to get your attention is with anger, right? And so then you want to click on the next thing and click on the next thing, either because it's righteous anger where you're like, yeah, my group's right. Let me keep mm-hmm. reading. Or like, I can't believe that person said that. I, I got to find another article about how dumb they are, you know? And so I just feel like that if that is truly um, the way to grab people's attention, then obviously we're just going to tend that way as our attention spans get shorter you know, that's going to trend to more and more outrage, which people love, you know, already feed off of all the time. So I would love to like, just go in the woods. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let me, let me, let me pose this to two of you. What's yeah. the, in, what's the inflection point? So in my mind, there's, there's multiple things that can happen, right? You either, you either get to the cliff's edge and we fall off the cliff, right? And that's like, mm-hmm. you know, okay, the world ends, things get too crazy, right? Or there's an inflection point and it starts to swing back the other way towards rational conversations, toward diversity of opinion, towards, 
you know, um, social, what I want to say, niceties actually re reoccurring, but not, you know, just fake ones, real ones where you're actually listening and dialoguing with people. Do you think it goes to a cliff and falls off the cliff? Or do you think that we reach an inflection point? And if you think we reach an inflection point, what is that inflection point? Do you mean naturally or by some force of human? In in general. Like, do you think it happens? So what, I one of those think, two. here's the thing. A lot of guys that I'm around um, on a week-to-week basis are convinced that if X happens, the wars will come and the people with guns will be ultimately the winner because the other people are trying to take your guns and they don't have any guns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so the reason I don't get worked up about that, or like people that I knew when Trump got elected literally told me we we're going to have nuclear war with North Korea within months. And I'm like, you're an otherwise intelligent adult. Like that's not true. And you know, that's not true. But my point with all of that, where I feel kind of, um, I'm not saying there'll never be another war, but or a civil war even. But I, I guess what I feel is people generally are lazy, and they're gonna do like I know there are riots right now and stuff. But like, generally speaking, people are gonna do whatever they the least amount of work to get the most amount of agreed. Right? It's a lot easier to tweet about orphans being or uh, children being ripped from their parents and put in cages at, at the border than it is to actually go down there and do something about it or like at least see it for yourself. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And so I think a lot of people will do what we do and talk about how it sucks. Um, but I don't know that anyone will actually rise up to do, like lead a movement against it. And if, and I also think, so, so I guess my, the fir- my first point would be unless somebody or a group of people leads this movement, right? I mean, everything kind of is cyclical. So maybe a group of people ri- rises up and kind of, you don't eliminate tech, but you just do it in a, in a smarter way. Absent that group or that movement, no, I don't think we will because it's easier to just be a drooling dum-dum staring at your feed. Two, I also think that sentiment is what keeps us from going off the cliff. I think we'll always be just up to the edge of like the apocalypse of tech. Like I, You know what I mean? Like the, the rage and anger... There's, there's always going to be like a limiting factor, which is I'd rather stay at my house and do my thing. Now, we'll be, we'll be so divided, if it, you can even imagine, it'll be even more than it is now, where it's like people in their own families won't talk to each other, which happens now, mm-hmm. but like will happen kind of frequently. Um, but, but as far as like actual, I could see if you mean deterioration of society in that way, then yeah, um, we can't have conversations anymore, then yeah, but we're already almost there. But I don't think violence will ever happen okay. in our lifetime. Okay. Like over that, obviously violence is happening. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Isn't this just like heartbreaking? Like heartbreakingly sad? Like in the middle 90s, could you have ever imagined we'd be here right now? But do you think we're being dramatic or do you think this is real? Um, I think we're being partially dramatic. Like I think there, are, I I don't think there are. I don't think this is an. This is a. How do I say this? I don't think everyone has this problem. I think there are a non-trivial amount of people, and let's just talk about the United States. I think there are a non-trivial amount of people in the United States 
who have very differing opinions that you could put into a room and they would have a normal conversation or you know you put them in front of some food and it they completely disagree with each other they fight with each other they argue with each other and all that stuff but they walk away not thinking the other person is a terrible human being mm -hmm. but i'd also think that there is a non-trivial amount of the population that i mean is just ready to literally riot and burn things down and it's like and then i think there's everything in, in between there so are we being dramatic a little bit i think so because i think from the daily normal people standpoint there are a large swath of people that aren't behaving the way we are talking about i think too another thing that fuels some of these perceptions a little bit is honestly the fact that like with covid going on we're not having this we talked about this a little bit the same type of interactions but i think what that does is that leaves us either guessing how other people are taking things and or what their maybe stances are um or assuming that certain people feel a certain way based on what we know or see of them online and so i think that breeds in some sense like um false potential potentially false barriers between um i don't know like uh interacting or uh get, treating even just treating people as friends uh that maybe used used to know well they have some differing views on certain things but we can still get along but you know i haven't seen them in 10 months because of coronavirus and with all this going on i'm sure they've jumped way to this side and so they're now my enemy you know but we don't really know because we haven't spent time with them but we're just assuming or guessing that that's the way they've gone and um and so i think that's just a, a really unhealthy thing and and on top of that we also know that like even just COVID, COVID is polarizing in and of itself um and so with all that going on it feels like we're just being divided further and further by every issue that arises um and to me sometimes i know it's not and and there's a purpose that i know that god has for all of this but sometimes it just feels like overwhelming like <laughs> the mm -hmm. tech has gone so far and the country has swung so far that like i fear for what type of world santiago will grow up in like what's it going to look like when he's 30 or 40 and you know well, yeah, it, things are happening at such a rapid pace, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but I think our media kind of pushes that narrative as well, and and fuels emotional responses um, to 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 everything, and then it pits people against each other, and so um, I know Tyler was saying that like there could be that group that rises up and goes lives in the woods and i feel that way too like sometimes i would just i was talking to italian i was like maybe we should like schedule one weekend where we like one weekend a month where we just leave our phones at the house and take santiago and go stay at a cabin for, and just enjoy life in the outdoors and slow down um but i also don't want to be an escapist and like run mm -hmm. from things so well, okay, so what would it take you 
um, to actually take to the street. So on the opposite yeah. end of being an escapist, like, like if things, if there was uh, some thing that happened, and there were like armed things going on in the streets, like what would it take you to to go out and be a part of that? Uh, so w- when you say be a part of that, uh, give me give me more on what you mean by that, please. Well, I guess I'll just give up my position first. So um, it would take, I would never, if I, I don't even own a gun, but if I did own guns, um, then it would take someone directly threatening my house or family for me to be involved. And, and it would take a lot more than that, I think, for me to actually injure someone. But like to even just say, like, I'm going to defend my property, someone would have to be attacking it actively where I, I hear a lot of people say like, you know, just, just marching in my street or, or, you know, waving your gun at me means I'm going to wave my gun at you. Like people are, some people say that they're ready to go. I'm going to run out. When I hear this news that, you know, that, uh, Monongahela, Pennsylvania is under attack. I'm going to run out with my guns and I'm going to just, you know, make sure I defend Mm -hmm. our freedoms. Um, so that would be more of like a proactive approach, but like I've never actually thought about it or sur- surveyed real people and said like, what would it take you to actually go out and potentially engage in violence, even if you think it's proactive or or defensive? But like, what would it take you to get to put yourself in a situation where you thought you could be done harm or you could do harm to someone else? And so that's what I was saying. Like my line is someone would have to be physically on my property threatening my family is, is what I'm saying. Like I, you know, if, if tomorrow we woke up, so, okay. So tomorrow we wake up, there's a constitutional crisis and the second civil war starts. I would not be the first one at the gun gun store, like grabbing all the guns to run out in the streets and go fight the second civil war. Like it would take it coming to my house. Okay. Okay. So, So Tyler, let's push the boundaries of this a little bit while I'm, I'm buying time to answer the question, Um, but let's push the boundaries of this. So your family. Okay. There's that. Um, what about your neighbor? Somebody comes up and they want to harm your neighbor or your neighbor's children or something like that. Um, and they're, you can think about it either way that they have a legitimate case against their neighbor or they don't have a legitimate case and they're just being, like, would you help? Uh, yeah. I mean, only in the same way that I'd help now. Yeah, I agree. I'd, I'd try to be a peacemaker or something. Yeah. Like, like if everybody had to mark their house red or blue and then the reds and the blues fought, if my neighbor had a different color than me, I would try to keep my side from attacking my neighbor. Um, but if my neighbor had the same color as me and the other people were trying to fight him, I would only do whatever I'm doing now. Like I wouldn't, I just think that other than by accident, it would take an awful lot for me to kill someone or potentially kill them by like shooting them or stabbing them. Like I, I don't, I just, that's such a foreign concept to me that it would be so, such a surreal set of circumstances to actually push me to physical violence against another person, I guess. Okay, so, and and maybe I'm the only one that hears this. I just hear all the time, like, "Wow, you know, 
when this happens, there's going to be another civil war and all this is going to break out. That's what happens when you work in Tyrone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Everybody. Maybe, maybe Tyler, you have a skewed perspective from where, where you live and work. Yeah, I, I know I do. But my point is like, there are people out in the streets right now and there are counter militias to the other people and they are shooting each other. So the question is like, that's in okay. mostly in major cities or areas where stuff has happened. But like for it to come to medium-sized town USA or even suburban Denver, like what would it take you to go out and potentially injure another human being? So one is defense, um, similar to you, defense of myself and my loved ones, right? Like that would be a situation where I could let's put it this way, escalate force to prevent that situation from happening. Now, mm, I like that. What's that? I like that, escalate force. I was just going to say I like that too. The reason I worded it that way was because I believe it's only right to escalate force one level higher than the force that's being presented against you, right? Um, and there's legal precedent for that, right? Like, you know, you, um, in a defensive situation, there are certain localities and precincts and things like that where you're allowed to fight back one level higher than the people that are coming after you. So, for instance, if they're coming at you and they want to punch you in the face, right, like you can pin them to the ground and tie them up. Um, and that's that's one level higher because you're restraining their movement, you know, kind of a deal. So you can hit them and they can pin them down and, and prevent them from hitting you. But you can't shoot them because they weren't coming at you with a knife. They weren't coming at you with a gun. They can't. They, it doesn't make sense for you to go a well above and beyond with legal with le with lethal force. So it's like I would do that. But that's in a that's in a defensive situation, and I'm gonna be real. It's gonna take me a really long time or a really dramatic situation to get there. The although that guy that rolled up on your hood in college. Uh, I really thought you were going to get there. No, you notice I didn't get there. I sternly reprimanded this individual for yeah, doing the thing he shouldn't have done. Uh, yeah. But I, I didn't get out of my car, right? Because that would have... You almost got out of your car. You really almost got out of your car. But that would have been... Listen, that would have been too much force. I would have been escalating way too high. Okay, so when it comes to... Okay, let's say Denver. They start rioting. They did. Um would I go participate in that? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, even if I felt strongly about the situation, uh, one way or another, I, that's, that isn't. Well, yeah. So forget, forget that. I'm not saying, uh, one issue, like a, like one specific issue. I'm saying, let's say civil war broke out in general, like over all the issues, right? Like the yeah, red yeah, team yeah. believes these things, the blue team believes these things. So that was the riot now. It's not over one. Yeah, so so it's a it's a nation nationwide thing and I have to pick a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you pick a team, but would you run out into that fight? I don't I don't think that's something that I can answer not being in that context, right? Because the stakes are too high to try to answer it in the theoretical for me. This is for me. This is my opinion on it, right? I need to know what what's being contested. I need to know where the two camps lie. I need to know what are the consequences or what are the ramifications if I don't go out there and at least try, you know what I mean, to, to fight back and 
um, have, let's say I'm on, you know, blue team. Like that if, if blue team doesn't win, what are the stakes? Like, what do we lose? What, what's, what's the cost? And until I would know that, I can't tell you, I can't tell you what I would, what I think I would do. I don't know. Josh, are you going to use your gun? <laughs> yeah. I don't obviously have any guns, but, um, I think kind of a, a somewhat along similar lines, like obviously even if someone was attacking my house, but they had no intent to harm me, <laughs> like they were bring, like <laughs> just punching your house. <laughs> I don't know if they like threw something at my house or whatever, but I like I just don't know like what that line would be. I think I would like if my family wasn't here, I would probably protect someone else with some force, like. If I'm standing here, my neighbors who we're good friends with, they're older, and someone was attacking them, like I wouldn't use deadly force or anything, but I'd run over and tackle someone to the ground to get them off of them, or you know, and and try to protect them. If Natalia and Santiago were here, of course I would do whatever to protect them, but I would probably I would never be offensive. It would be defensive. And that's even a that's even a fine line, right? Because mm-hmm. okay, let's go back to Tyler's situation of the red team, blue team. What is offensive and what is defensive, right? Like, yeah. do you have to play defense in order to play offense? Do you have to play offense in order to play defense? One of the things that Tyler said was like, "Hey, if I was one color and my neighbor was another, um, like I would try to get them to not, you know, attack us or whatever. Or if my neighbor." was the same color as me you know what i would do like if it was a red or blue thing i would try to get my same colored neighbor to not attack the other color <laughs> you know and say hey, there's a different way we can go about this like we need to think about this this is insanity why are we doing these things um yeah yeah i mean that's what i'm saying i i i, I guess the reason i would have a hard time participating is because i reject the premise yeah that a civil war is necessary i yeah. think it's absurd i think i think what you're getting at is more or less like what happens if there is that going on and i am in a, a out of the battle yeah. but it comes to my doorstep unwanted yeah. you know and i'm not saying i wouldn't stand up for what i believe in but i'm not gonna like it's not worth like that's it's just ridiculous it, it, a lot of this is ridiculous because we're at this point in our country where we don't talk to each other we're talking about the movie the patriot right now you know that right exactly. like with Mel Gibson. Yeah. I mean, we are 100 percent talking he doesn't want to be part of it he doesn't want to do anything he just wants to live on his plantation mm. raise his family everything's good yep. and then they have to go and they they shoot his son right heath ledger like they got to kill him he snaps a little there mm-hmm. so you don't kill heath ledger no I was about to go. Anyway, moving on. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, edit that one out later. But, uh, um, like, I was trying to think, like, what would make me, like, protest even peacefully? And, like, I don't know. I, I mean, if, if the government mandated sin, I would not do it. And I, I might protest but i would i would maybe do it in a way that you know well if you're mandating me to kill these people or you know to do something in church that is sinful then i'm just gonna not do it and you can come arrest me like and that you know that's fine like i'm not gonna but 
I mean, I would stand up for our faith and what we believe, but I would do so in a way, hopefully, that communicates um, kindness and gentleness, boldness, but but also um, an earnest desire that those people are not necessarily my enemies, but like victims of the enemy, and I want them to know Jesus. So, like, I don't, I don't, I mean, Jesus, if we're following his example, I know we're getting into faith-based things, but you know. As a sheep before his shears was silent, so he did not open his mouth, you know. And if we're to follow his example, it would take, I don't even know what it would take for me to, if, it, if I wasn't being attacked, I don't know that there is something. I mean, I would stand up and I would, you know, have discussion and, and, and speak up for my faith and freedom and things like that. But I would, I would probably suffer persecution and continue to hopefully faithfully follow Christ. Um, that's why I think my heart is so broken. I think when I think of the landscape of not just our country, but our world is because it feels like that's coming <laughs> and it feels like it's happening and it's coming faster than, than we even realize. Um, and, but bigger than a fear of persecution is like a broken heartedness over the lostness of our country. And, world am i naive that i don't i don't think it's actually coming i think that the big gigantic megaphones in our ears and in front of our eyes megaphone not in front of your eyes but big signs in front of our eyes and megaphones in front in front of our ears say it's coming it's coming it's coming but i think from a normal people standpoint it's not it's not even close to that that is true to yeah that is true i mean a lot of people that i interact with around bethel park like my one neighbor they we talk all the time. They couldn't be further to the opposite side of the political spectrum as us, yet we have them over for dinner probably once a month and we hang out and talk in the yard and they have a cookie jar in their house just for Santiago and like they wouldn't ever do anything to me. I wouldn't, you know, they're great people. They're my friends. So like you're there to that extent, like the, the narrative in media has, has not always been, my experience in real life in the world living in and around people however there are people that are just like you know you have the guy with his like four pipes on his truck with like 18 american flags hanging and just blowing up and down the street screaming you know how like most weeks we do this thing where i say let's talk about this from like a secular perspective in case most of the people listening didn't grow up in the church and then josh <laughs> quotes malachi 7 and then we all then we just go back to pretending this is a bible study on a podcast i'm actually going to go there this time Woo! so this leads right into this this leads right into this thing that i've been thinking of when you go there are you going to address the thing we were just talking about, whether you think that pe real people are feeling this yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, Because I want to hear your opinion on this. Like, I want to hear your opinion on the divide. Yeah, I want to lead right into a Christian, an actual Christian perspective on government. Um, on Yeah, and like, I can't wait to hear you exegete Malachi 7. Yeah, is that even a thing? I it's, don't a, know. it's right after John, <laughs> yeah. John 5 4. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, uh, I think that everyone thinks that way, and you probably even do too, when you're alone and you read an article that makes you mad. Mm. But I think most people in life are more like Josh's neighbor, where we're actually going to... I know that I'd want to be that way. I have super strong opinions about 
two or three drop dead issues for me. Um, and I don't want to necessarily give those away right now, but I, I do. But I would even kind of moderate myself in that just to have a conversation with someone. And, and, and ultimately, I do want to win them on at least one or two of those issues, but uh, not without actually building up some sort of like rapport that we can talk. Mm-hmm. Um, which leads me to my point. So at what point should Christians be involved in any of this? And at what point should Christians stay out of it and just say it will be what it'll be and we'll deal with the consequences of it, um, you know, how, however, whatever government does, um, that's fine. We'll deal with it, you know, not accept it and adopt it and just say that it's true, but just say like, well, it is what it is versus because because I honestly think, I mean part of the issue with being an evangelical in America is that um, in the 80s and 90s and probably early 2000s, well, yeah, George Bush second, um, you know, being a, an American was being a Christian, right? I mean, even during Bill, the Bill Clinton years, which is when we all were basically growing up, you know, I'm sure Pew surveys probably said 90% of Americans were Christians or whatever, you know, Catholic or Protestant. Um, and, uh, so, you know, so my point is like how, how much and how involved in the political process and in what way, um, you know, and, and I think we need Christian senators and Christian Congress people and, you know, whatever, but I'm just asking like for the general person who's not going to run for office, like if you run a church or if you're part of a church or if you have a Bible study or whatever, like how, or you teach at a Christian college, like it, how how involved should we be or care about politics? Ultimately, as, as Christians, this place isn't our ultimate home, right? Like our citizenship is in heaven. Yet God has appointed that we live here in this space, in this time, to work for the good of those around us, for the city, so to speak, you know, Jeremiah talks about planting and investing and growing and multiplying and praying on behalf of the city. Um, and uh, the New Testament talks about praying for your leaders and, and there's no leader over you that which has not been appointed by God. And so there's an element where I think we do care and we, we do work for justice. And I think government is... Our leaders and our government is uh, uh, hopefully working for peace and justice in all their legislation. And I think where we see injustice, um, we're to work against that and to work for justice. And I'm not saying... Well, what's justice, though? Sure. Like, is is gay marriage justice in a Christian perspective or not? You don't have to talk about that specific issue, but that's just my example. So, like, the world would say, well, that's justice, that those people get married. Mm-hmm. But from a Christian perspective, obviously, we heard all the different opinions on that. Sure, like, sure. I think, so, like, when we hear justice writ large in culture, a lot of times it means don't make anyone feel bad. Mm-hmm. But it might be against Christian principles. Sure, sure. So do we, what justice do we fight for? Well, yeah, and I mean, that also goes back to, are we in a theocracy or are we in a democracy, right? And so, like... 
we're, we're not in a, a theocracy where our country isn't based on the principles of the Bible. I mean, people will say that our founders were believers, but they're probably theists and, and different things. But, um, yeah. Well, actually, I mean, I don't want to get into that, but like Western cult, Western civilization is heavily, heavily based on Judeo-Christian no, values. Yeah. I mean, that's where I'm not saying they're not. That's where it comes from. But uh, what I'm saying is, and we've even had this conversation before. We've made the point that America is not a theocracy, and so like the government should, isn't going to make decisions based off of what Christianity says, and we shouldn't expect them to. Like that's not right. As much as we would want that and prefer that, that's not. And, and so, like, I think the problem is today is that Christians tend to too much and too oftentimes put their hope and their faith in their elected officials rather than God who's sovereign. And so I think we need to work for the good of those around us. I think we need to work for biblical principles in our lives and in the lives of those around us uh, for biblical fairness and justice, but also recognizing that decisions are probably going to be made that don't always align with what we believe but may appear to be fair from a democratic uh, uh, political system but i think the problem is a lot of times we get hung up on two or three issues which we rightfully disagree with however we make allow that to become such a gigantic issue in our hearts and our minds that it ruins our ability like you said to build rapport and have a conversation with people because it's such a thing that we're fired up about and we end up saying i can't believe our government would do that that's against us blah blah, blah. and all of a sudden we are unable to engage in a redemptive way with other people because of those things and so i think it's a it's a fine nuanced line here that we're working for. Uh, what what essentially what hill do we die on, right? What hill is the hill that we're gonna say? You know what? I'm dying on this one. Like I can't. I'm willing to stake it all for the the truth of this, for the uh, uh, the righteousness of this, or whatever. And and. And, but I, but I think those decisions don't they they require wisdom, and wisdom comes from just or from um, a fear of the Lord and uh, and knowledge. And so I don't know. Did I answer your question? Well, I mean, if if you don't pick a hill to die, like if you say that there are no hills to die on, because ultimately the relationship with people. Winning people through relationships is the most important thing, and and I mean the the royal you, yeah. not you specifically. Then then you better be out there making relationships. Like you can't say oh, like, yeah. I refuse to give up my position on abortion or gun rights or whatever your thing is, homosexuality, whatever. I ref- I'm not gonna engage in that conversation with people that might think differently than me because I want to build a relationship. If that's going to be your your stated case, or position, then you better go out and build relationships. Sure. Otherwise, you're just hiding behind that as a way to say, like, well, I'm not going to tell anyone what I think about things. Yeah, but also, and I agree with that totally, but what's your hard attitude when you go up to tell people about the things you really think and the way you feel? Is it divisively? Are we starting quarrel, quarrels? Are we 
um, allowing all unwholesome talk and divisive language to come out, or we live in like Second Timothy says that uh, we should patiently endure evil and correct our opponents with gentleness that God may perhaps grant them repentance and a knowledge of the truth. And so if our end goal is not that people come to know Jesus, whether we're building relationships or standing up for what we believe in, then we're doing it from a, a poor heart motivation. And I know we'll never have a perfectly pure heart motivation to do something. But in the end, are we looking at uh, uh, causes? Are we looking at people who need to know Jesus as enemies to be conquered or arguments to be won rather than people who need to know the love of Jesus Christ? And I think that's the problem I have with our country in this polarization is that we lose sight that they are people made in the image of God. And so we just want to conquer them and say that we're right um and there's a different way we can bring them through loving caring relation uh conversation to and still defend what we believe i don't know exactly what that looks like i don't it's in our ever-changing cultural context but i think there's so much anger right now that we lose sight of the fact that people just need Jesus a lot. And I'm not saying that's a cop-out, but and we need to be out there doing something about it, but that's a reality. And the peace of Christ reigning in the hearts and minds of men and women around the world would solve a lot of these problems. So I don't even know if I answered your question. but Yeah, Tyler, ask your question again. Well, so from people that aren't thinking about actually running for office in some way, so I think you know, from from a from a healthy constitutional standpoint, you should have all viewpoints represented in your government. From a Christian standpoint, you should probably want most, if not all, representation to be Christian because you would think not to have a theocracy. I agree with that, but you would think that that would be the best principle to run the government on for the for the mo- the most good of the most people. Mm-hmm. But absent that, you're just a dude that teaches at a Christian college or like works at a coffee shop or is, you know, somebody just that leads a Bible study or whatever. How engaged in politics should you be versus saying, hey, whatever the government does, they're going to do and I'll just react to it in a way that I believe is in line with my faith. If I'm not a politician then my responsibility from a political standpoint is to vote as a citizen of the place that I'm under the political governance of and to speak truth. And that is where things get different for different people, right? Because what does speak truth mean? What speak truth means to me might be different than what speak truth means to you. And I don't mean that the truth is different I mean how strongly we feel compelled to be public about how we speak truth. So I might say, okay, I speak truth through this, this everyday conversations that I have with people, but I'm never going to go out to a political rally and hold a sign or go out and put in, um, hand out pamphlets for somebody, right? That's just not me. That's not what I'm going to do. I don't think that from a Christian perspective, I have violated any, biblical call you know what i mean or violated any biblical mandate to that i need to be more politically active okay i think that if you choose to do those things 
you also haven't violated any political call or, or biblical mandate as long as the things that you're promoting line up with biblical truth, if that makes sense, right? Like, that's where things... So as long as we both are speaking truth, however we decide to do that, we decide to do that. Now, how we... I, I do think we are called as citizens of a governing authority to participate in those entities in the, in those activities. Um, so if that means we vote as citizens, we vote as citizens, right? If that means if we, um, if everybody participates in the caucus, we participate in the caucus, right? Like whatever, whatever it would look like. Um, but I don't think that me not going to a rally is a, is a negative from a Christian perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, I was going to say, if I'm a politician, that's very different, and I don't even know if you want me to go there. So if you don't want me to go there, take me where you want me to go. No, no. Okay, so let's say um, I heard about this a couple weeks ago, that they're going to allow three-person marriages in some town in Massachusetts. Yes, yes. So let's say that that's something that you are against. Which I am, which I am, by the way. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay, well, let's say in Denver uh, or in Colorado – or in your local county or whatever whatever your most local election is that quest that referendum is on the ballot do you a i mean i think you already answered this but i'll just go through the spectrum do you a say well whatever happens i'm still going to i'm not even going to vote but i'll still try to convince people of what i think is right b i'm going to vote and still no matter what happens i'm going to try to convince people what i think is right or c I think that this issue is so important that I'm going to try to convince other people to vote like me before the vote so that we can strike down this referendum. I'm, I'm going to vote my conscience. I'm going to vote based on biblical truth. And then I think the other side of that, it just depends on who you are. I don't think there's a right or wrong with the other side of it. Like mm-hmm. if you decide that you're going to go out and try to convince everybody and their mom to vote like you, great, go do that. If I decide that I'm just going to vote, great. I'm going to do that. Like, I don't think either of us, from a biblical perspective, is more right or more wrong. What if I quote the Bible more than you? Well, obviously, if you quote the Bible more than me, as long as it's Micah 7. <laughs> <laughs> but, do you, but, I mean, that like, I basically, you're right. Yeah. Like, you, you already, I, I just, I don't think... I think where the issue comes is if you go out and you start speaking not biblical truth and trying to convince people of something based on biblical biblical untruth, for lack of a better way to put it, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, you should not be doing that. So you have no problem with Christian activism in politics as long as it specifically adheres to biblical principles of what that speech would be? I Yes, I don't have a problem if you want to be a political activist as a Christian. I don't have a problem with that. My one caveat to that would be not only because people can represent and speak biblical truth, but they can come off sounding like complete buttheads doing so. And, and, and so my one caveat to that is we need to speak truth, but we need to speak truth, truth with grace. Um, and so if we're all truth all the time, which is good, I'm not saying we're never not truth, but I'm saying if we don't balance that with some sort of compassion, 
then you know you get to the line where people are never going to be good enough people are never going to feel like they they can ever have a, a chance to mess up and and that maybe doesn't look is as clear in a political situation but i would hate to be held to a standard where i have to be perfect so not i'm not saying we compromise and say oh you know this bill's good or whatever but i'm saying there's people that scream at a bull uh, with a bullhorn into people's faces and even though what they're saying may be true it's really not communicating the gospel in a way that's winsome um it's just telling people they're wrong and going to hell or something um which if it's you know it could be plausible it could be true um i have a problem i think with activism like that because it doesn't do anything but create arguments and and ruin hearers and i and i agree with you completely i think that's an i think that's an unbiblical form of political activism Okay. Yeah. So I'm just saying, drawing that line, like you can still speak truth some way yes. and sound like a complete jerk yes, um, and do more damage or harm. So the only, so going back to our, our conversation in the first half of this, the only thing that I could see if a civil, second civil war happened, other than being in, conscripted into some kind of army, I don't know. I haven't thought enough about that to know how I feel. The only appropriate form of Christian activism in that scenario would be taking the bullhorn, going downtown, and trying to convince as many people, but specifically Christians, as possible to not join in the fighting, to, to, to choose peace instead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, think that, I think that's a completely appropriate way sure. to do that. Yeah, me too. But I think that that's where I fall. Like, the only way that you could fight that battle is to fight it as one who's trying to stop it before it starts. Maybe that's just like stupidly obvious, but I feel like that's not how our conversations go in society anymore. Well, I think a lot of this could even be avoided if for the past century or generations, many Christians lived out their call to be ambassadors of Christ where they were. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a whole separate conversation. That is, yeah. I'd love to have some time about the 80s and the 90s. Thanks for listening. You can find out more and be heard by going to herdimmunitypod.com.